0: things I love. Anytime I get to teach at Summit, I'm always thankful that they give me a rep um, each semester on this. But one of the things I always want to say, whether you've been here uh, ever since we started the Plano campus or you're new to uh, this campus or to this study or whatever that is, is that the goal of Summit, okay, is not to make an A in Summit, okay? It is not to have perfect attendance in Summit, although that's great. Uh, The goal of Summit is for you to be on a journey that Summit is a part of, okay? And so our goal is to, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 would say that our job is to present every man complete in Christ. And so that other places in scripture talk about being conformed to the image of Christ. And so the goal here is not to complete Summit. The goal here is begin to dive in God's word for yourselves, talk about it with other guys and continue to be transformed until you're complete in Christ or you look like him or whatever that is. So I'm thrilled you're here. This is a great step, but this is uh, eight weeks and it's not the end. So as you're studying, as you're reading, as you're discussing with friends, keep the big picture in mind which is that we want to continue to grow and be all that we can uh, in Christ. And so what we're going to do today is going to help us. Um, so it was funny this morning, I pulled out of the house early and I stopped at racetrack to fill up with gas. And I went in there and at that time of the day, there's not, uh, there's not, much, not much going on in there. So I engaged with the guy behind the counter and he just said, hey, you got a busy morning? And I just said, well, I'm, I'm going to teach God's word. And I said, do you ever read? Do you ever read God's Word? And he said, yeah, I, re- I read God's Word all the time. And I'm like, way to go, man. And I started to talk to him about what we were talking about today, which is suffering unto death. And I wasn't sure. I pulled I pulled that back, okay, and I didn't have that conversation, uh, But but what we're doing today is really, really important, but that wasn't the right time to do that, but this morning is. And so... Uh, We are going to talk about a topic. um, I think that you're you're dead if this doesn't challenge you. Because I would just tell you, when I think about the point of suffering unto the point of death, I, I I question where I am in my faith. I'm like, do I think if I had been captured by ISIS and they put the sword here and I've got the black hoodie over my head? Do I think that I could sit there and say, hey, take my life, man. I know that the church grows whenever it's persecuted. I'm not sure. I don't know. And what we're going to talk about today is how do we build a faith? Revelation 2, 8 through 11 teaches us how we develop a faith that will keep you... um, Keep you just connected deeply to God no matter what, uh, No matter what is happening. And so uh, that's why we're here today. Just a reminder that the book of Revelation is written to help churches in the midst of persecution. We tend to think that it's about all the dragons and the imagery and all that kind of stuff. Revelation was written to the churches that were suffering to help them endure and persevere uh, during suffering. And so we have a little bit of a problem in our day and age, is because we don't get persecution, okay? We get suffering, okay? We understand because of death of friends and loved ones, we understand illness, we understand kids that are prodigals, we understand all of that, we understand that suffering, but persecution is really different. Persecution is what comes on us because of Uh, our faith, or because of our race, or because of something else. And what's happening in Smyrna, okay, is they are being persecuted. Okay, the church in Smyrna is being persecuted because they are saying, I am a Christ follower. And so we're in this crazy period in the United States between 19, I don't know, pick your time, from 1945 to now, where we have been so unaffected by famine by disease, by war. There's been some, okay? But our whole country hasn't been engaged in that. And so we haven't been tested in our country. We've been tested some by suffering, but we certainly haven't been tested by persecution. And so we really don't even know what that means. Okay, and so just so you know, I am no prophet. Okay, I cannot see the future. Okay, but I think those days are coming. I think the days are coming when the Christian church is going to be persecuted in this country for its faith. And if in my weaker times, I wonder about what kind of life I'm handing to my kids or my grandkids, and if they're going to be persecuted for their faith. My girls and I used to, when we were sitting around the table, I was like, hey, are you guys, you need to know that there's a chance that, that your dad may be in jail someday because of what he believes as a pastor. That's commonplace in other countries. And so I'm asking the question personally, am I I ready? Am I ready to do that? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Revelation 2, 8 through 11. I love that we're only studying four verses and I could talk for two hours on this, but I only got a few minutes. And so we're going to Uh, jump into this. And so uh, first thing I want to do is remind you the lens with which we're looking at all of these different churches. You'll see it come up uh, on the screen, Um, not the map, but the one after that. Let's do that one next. There you go. And so we're just looking at every church and we're saying, who is Christ as the Spirit of God talks to the church or sends the message, the letter to Smyrna? Who is Christ? What's the commendation uh, in other words, what's the, what's the encouragement, what's the correction, and then what is kind of the confidence or the, um, the mandate or what is he giving uh, those guys? So that's the lens that we're going to look at. That. And we're talking about a city named Smyrna, okay, and so you can see it up on the map. Okay, and you can kind of see kind of right in the middle right there. It's on the Aegean Sea. It's a coast city, had about 100,000 people in it. It's got a couple of hundred thousand now. Uh, It's in modern day Turkey uh, is where it is. And so this city was known for how much suffering it took place. And I love it when God plays word games, okay, with us a little bit. So if you read your books, which I hope you did, you know that Smyrna, Okay, is the root word comes from the same word as myrrh? Okay, which is what was presented to Jesus by the wise men when he was born. It's a it's a um, uh, for burial. They use it to to bury people. And so, what it is, it's it's a it's got a hard shell, and when it's crushed, it has a fragrant aroma. And I think it's so interesting that the name of Smyrna means that if you're crushed, if you suffer, if you're persecuted, a fragrant aroma is going to come from you. And it's so like God was just like, hey, I'm going to call this little, we're going to call this little city Smyrna because this is what's going to happen in their world over these next hundreds of years. And it's been a place that has suffered. So let's look at the text, uh, read it, and then let's just kind of take it apart. And so what's going to happen is we're going to find three specific things uh, that the Lord wants to show us about how we, um, about how we develop that kind of faith. So let's, uh, let's read. It says, and to the angel, verse 8, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, in parentheses, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear the Spirit says to the churches, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And so I want to tell you, verse 8, there is something we cannot miss here. It starts with Jesus saying, as he starts, the the first of this letter talks about Jesus being the first and the last. He is the one who was died and was resurrected. What you cannot miss is that God wants us to see that Jesus Christ, sovereign over all creation, okay, that he is sovereign over all of everything. And when we think about how do we develop a, a, a heart, a faith that will suffer. Okay, this is number one. We have got to understand God's sovereignty over everything, that He is in control over everything. All through the epistles, it talks about He's supreme over galaxies and governments and peoples and political leaders. Just there's all kinds of places where He is sovereign. Okay, and then it goes on to say, not just of the first and the last, but He says, I am. He who was dead and now I'm alive. And so he's telling us, I'm also sovereign over human life, over life and death. I have control of those things. Your lifespan fits okay, under that umbrella of God's sovereignty. So I have a question for you. Have you turned your death over to the sovereignness of God? it's a great question. So I can trust God in some things, okay, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say, okay, God, hey, it's with my actual death, right? Can I live my life so on mission, which is what Christ is trying to get us to do here, that I am willing to say, hey, take me tomorrow, Right, If you want to take me tomorrow and all those things kind of come in, what about my kids? They're two and they're four and college and my wife and all that kind of stuff kind of comes flooding in. But Jesus wants us to know right at the beginning as we're talking about building a deeper faith, hey, we have got to entrust our very lives to him. It's so important in verse 8. We go on to verse 9. And so let me just give you a verse. So in Psalm 135, five and six, it says this. Um, It says, for I know that the Lord is great and that our God is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deep places. So when you start to doubt God's sovereignty over your life and your world, you wanna have some places you go in scripture, okay, where you can say, oh yeah, I'm doubting this, and I want to have, you have heard guys have probably heard me say it before, I have a, a folder on my desktop, it's called Plan Biblical Responses. So when I start to doubt God's sovereignty, I've got about 10 verses laid out in a document and I can just go read. Psalm 135, 5 and 6 is at the top of that and it's, oh yeah, God is in control. And I have to continually. I've been walking with Christ for 40 years now and I still have to go back to those things and remind myself that God is in control when I start to doubt or I start to worry about my life or my kid's life. And so it's important for you to do that. And so what's funny is all the time when I talk about this planned biblical response folder, everybody says, Kyle, let me have it. Let me have it. So Josh was even talking about, hey, let's just link it to what we're going to send the guys. No, do the work, right? Go to your Bible, and make your own planned biblical response, right? What are the things, what are the verses that, that communicate to you, in this case, God's sovereignty? Verse nine. As we keep going, this, the commendation, and so I wouldn't, so the commendation, I would say it's more empathy, and I, I'll be really curious uh, if you pick this up, but the first two words or first three words of verse nine are so critical. And it is that I know your. And he's saying, I know your tribulation. I know your suffering. I know your persecution. But don't miss, I know your. Because the God of the universe is saying to you, to me, I know you. I know you in your suffering. I know you in your tribulation. I know you in persecution, whatever's coming. So I don't know, a great application for today, maybe a question around the small groups tables is, I know your blank. Fill in the blank. What is it right now in your life, okay, that you're questioning God's sovereignty, okay, that you can just remind yourself, I know that Jesus is saying to, I know your blank. What is it? I've got a daughter in Israel right now that may not be able to get back, okay? We've got a team in Africa that may not be able to get back because of all that's happening with the travel bans and stuff like that. And so I remind myself last night and this morning, I know your concern for your daughter. I know your concern for your friends that are in trying to get back from Africa in the next couple of days, right? And we don't know what's going to happen yet. Okay, we have no idea, so we're not going to worry about it, but we're starting to prepare for those things. So, so just remember that Jesus is saying to, to you, I know your. And so it says next, it says, but you are rich. I just, we're going to come back to that here in a second. And so if the first courage builder is trust in God's sovereignty, grow your depth, your trust in God's sovereignty, the second is grow your understanding that God is with you. He's with you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, what? I am with you to the end of the age. And it's just a reminder when I think I'm alone, when I think that God's not paying attention, when I think that he's not seeing, I remind myself, lo, God is with me even to the end of the age. And so he keeps going and uh, there's really, as you think about the chart, there's really no correction uh, for the church at Smyrna that happens to all, all but one other church uh, in as we study the churches. And, and the reason is, I think, and I'm speculating here, but my hunch is these guys are suffering already for the sake of the gospel. And he's like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't need to say anything to you. You guys are following me. Therefore, persecution is coming on to you and I need to spend all my time. Encouraging you to hold up under this persecution and this suffering, potentially unto death, uh, that's coming your way. And then, lastly, the confidence. This is where, for whatever reason, the Spirit of God wanted us to, to spend some time right here. What are the things that I am saying that are exhortations to the men? Uh, in our case, that are going to help you grow those uh, roots of faith deep so that you can suffer unto death, so that you can build uh, the courage that you need. And he goes on and he just says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. He's telling them what's coming. You're about to suffer. He even gives a little specific, hey, there's something about to happen for 10 days that you might be thrown in prison. And so think about that. One of the great ways to study scripture. Grab your coffee, put your feet up on the table, put yourself in the text and say, all right, if I knew that I was going to if I was going to jail and it was going to last for 10 days or longer, would I be fearful? Yeah. And therefore plan biblical responses. What am I putting in my brain? God's sovereignty. What am I putting in my brain? God is with you. Okay, what am I putting in my brain? But he says, do not fear, okay, the suffering that is coming unto you. And so I would just tell you that God cares more about your eternity than your comfort. He brings testing into our life. And suffering into our life because he wants to strengthen our faith. He wants to build our, he wants to grow our roots really deep so that we can withstand when persecution happens. And so there's a couple of passages here that are really informative to us. And uh, James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let let it have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's ESV up there. Years ago I memorized it in NASB. So uh, it's it's a little different. But it's just consider it joy. Do not fear when suffering's coming. Consider it joy when suffering is coming. Is that us? And so I would tell you there are times when it's not. I need to grow. I need to build my trust in God's sovereignty. I need to remind myself that God is with me. And so he says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. He goes on to say, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Y'all having fun yet? Be faithful unto death. And so the crown of life, there's several places in the Scripture where God talks about, it goes back to the Greek games, and you guys have seen in movies, it's that kind of that gold crown with leaflets and thing on it, and it represents a crown that you get after you have sacrificed. Okay, so athletes who got that crown, sacrificed. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is the crown of life. Suffer unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And it goes on to say in there, um, uh, yeah, I'll be faithful unto death. James 1.12 is the verse that I want to just remind you of as we're thinking about this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so we're trying to, build, trying to build our faith. So be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. The one who conquers will not, will not be hurt by the second death. He goes on to say after that. So let's talk about that. That's probably new to some of you. The first death is the death where our, our body is basically doesn't breathe anymore. Our brain doesn't work anymore. That's the death, the first death. The second death. Is eternal separation from God. That's the second, and it's really important to understand that because he is saying to us so, the one who conquers, the one who perseveres, the one who endures will not be hurt by the second death. So, really important right here. If you're here and you have never given your life to Christ, And so the gospel is, the good news is that just in and of ourselves, we are separated from the God of the universe who loves us and cares for us and has a plan for our life. And there's not anything that we can do to make our way to a holy God. So it says that we're going to die. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 just talk about for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's death. And so if you're here and you haven't started that relationship, it's really important that you do that. As you think about developing your relationship that's going to have you complete in Christ, It's important for you to start that relationship. The guys at your table would love to help you talk through that. And so I just want to tell you, if you're a Christ follower, if you've made that decision, if you have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, you're going to get the crown of life. Okay, you've got it. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Okay, but it talks about in 1 Corinthians 3 that you build a foundation upon Christ, but then after that, how you serve, your motivation for loving and serving are going to be gold, silver, and precious stones, or are there going to be wood, hay, and stubble, which are going to burn? There's a great line, I just love it, that it says, some of you are going to get in smelling like smoke. Okay, it's what the line is in 1 Corinthians 3. Okay, and so I just want to tell you, slay that foundation with Jesus if you haven't done that. Talk about that with the guys. And then what we're talking about today is how do we grow that and how do we persevere unto death? And so I want to come back to that last one is the, where we were up in verse 9 that says, But you are rich, that parenthesis that was up there. And it's just a reminder to us. So what the Spirit of God was doing right there is said, hey, number one, I have given you everything you need in this life uh, for life and godliness. But he's also pointing to Revelation 19 through 22. Great application. If you haven't read Revelation 19 through 22 in a while, go read it. Okay, It's what happens. It's what heaven's going to look like. It's when God comes back and he shows that he's sovereign. And it talks about no more tears and no more pain and we're comforted and we won't be suffering. And if you, if you don't have that as part of a regular rhythm to your life, read the end of the book, okay? Because it helps us build this third thing that I want. So if we're got to grow our trust, our life in God's sovereignty, if we've gotta grow our belief that God's with us, the last thing that we've gotta do is we wanna grow our trust In our ultimate destination. I can suffer just about anything if I know what's on the other side. And if what's on the other side is better than what's here, I just want to tell you, you may not get it. This place is a garbage can. You are living in a garbage can compared to what God has for you. As a Christ follower, when we move into eternity, we just can't even describe it to you how amazing that is going to be. And so that third thing I've got to grow in is my understanding of, hey, God's got this incredible plan. So we have the Garden of Eden where things were awesome, right? And then we've got heaven where things are awesome. And we're living in this parenthetical age where things are not awesome. But on the timeline of eternity, this parenthetical 70 years that we got but however many years of human history is really small and the way that I build my faith and grow my faith is that I look to what's better and Paul just said for me uh, to live to to live as Christ to stay here and be with Christ but to die is gain Philippians 121 he says that and so he's got this picture of going forward and he's looking at those things. So there's really three things that we got to keep in mind. We want to grow in our trust in God's sovereignty, grow in our trust that God's with us, and grow in our trust in our ultimate destination. So how in the world do we do that? And so I want to spend the last couple of minutes talking about practically how, does, how do you build that kind of faith? How do you grow in those three things that we've been talking about this morning that Revelation 2 tells us? And so let me give you the goal. Here's the ultimate goal. That is that you fall so in love with Jesus Christ and his character and his ways and his plan that everything else in this life diminishes. It becomes a shadow. So that's the goal. Okay, is to see Christ for all that he is, as he's sovereign and he's with us and he's in charge of heaven, who his character is. We fall in love and everything else kind of pales in comparison. And it's easier as you get older, right? You realize more that life doesn't have all this stuff that you've been searching for for the last 50 years of your life, right? But I want to tell the young guys in a room, man, I'm still telling you, man, that is worth it. Heaven is worth it. But in the meantime, to live is Christ and to be here. So that's the first, that's the goal. How we grow in that. Okay, we're gonna talk about, I'm gonna say a bad word to you. Okay, spiritual disciplines. Okay, you guys all know that to get better, to grow in anything, you have to practice. It's the same thing in deepening our faith so that we're ready to suffer deepening our faith so that we're courageous, is we have to practice. And here's how I think about spiritual disciplines, just so you know. Spiritual disciplines, when you do them, it's not checkbox growth. Just because you do this doesn't mean you're going to be more mature. What spiritual disciplines are, think of a sailboat. It's like you're raising the sail okay, so that the wind of God can catch that sail and take you wherever he wants you to. To go, okay. Spiritual disciplines are the practices that allow God to grow you. So let me tell. You, I got a chance when I was uh, in college to play baseball, and we had a pretty good team, and we were in the regionals and stuff like that. And our coaches would come to us, and they would say, "Hey, you guys have been practicing well so far during the season, but we're about to take a step up. We're about to play Oklahoma State, and we're about to play Wichita State, and we're about to play some of those guys. You guys need to increase your." practice, your discipline to get even a step better than you already are so that you'll be ready for a higher level of competition. And So it's the same thing in our Christian life. I don't know where you are in your spiritual disciplines. I don't know if you spend 15 minutes with the Lord three times a week. I don't know if you spend 30 minutes five times a week. I don't know where that is. But man, I would tell you, if you want to grow, if you want to build your faith do more. Okay. Not do more to earn your salvation. Okay. But just grow your discipline. So it may be more time in God's word. It may be more memory work. It may be more meditation. I will tell you, you guys, some of you guys know, we announced in the last couple of weeks that we're launching our campus. I kind of saw that coming a few weeks ahead of time. And I'm like, hey, this is going to get a little heavy. This is going to be a little crazy. There's going to be a lot of people that have questions, and it's going to get busy for me. And so I put a new discipline in my life. Every day when I got home, I'm just like, hey, before I go in and connect with Trish, okay, I am just going to take a God walk. And so I'm going to leave my stuff in my car. I'm going to get out, and I just take off around the block. 20 to 30 minutes, and all I'm doing is I'm just dumping on the Lord, Okay, hey, God, let me tell you what happened today. Okay, man, I did not do well here. Man, I was super encouraged here. God, would you help me lead well? Would you give me patience as we go through this season right here? But what was in my brain was those college coaches saying, hey, grow your discipline. And I was like, hey, there's a heavier season coming. Grow your discipline. There's persecution coming as Christ followers. Grow your discipline. Right, and the more you fall in love with Christ, the more you want to spend time with Him. The more that grows, and the more you become complete in Christ. So grow your discipline, and then I would tell you to grow your historical Christian world view. Okay, I'm telling you one of the best things I've ever done in my life. For whatever reason, I love war history, World War II, Middle East picket, and I've read for years. The spiritual advantage of that is that what I said at the beginning is that I know this is not normal. The life that I'm living is not normal. Famine, war, persecution, countries taking over other countries, that's normal. And so the reading that I've done is just help me have this historical Christian worldview. So read, read biographies of the great martyrs, the people that have died. Polycarp, one of the great church fathers, earliest church fathers from about born in 56 to 130 or something like that, I think. Anyway, he was burned at the stake in Smyrna, okay, is where he was burned. Okay, we've got to read about those guys. We've got to read so that we have a historical Christian worldview and just not this pop culture thing that's going on in our world that's all we're reading. So grow your disciplines and grow your historical Christian worldview. Two more things really quickly. One is be faithful in the small things now. How are you going to stand up under persecution if you can't spend time with the Lord? How are you going to do that? And so be faithful in the small things that's given you now so that you can be faithful when the bigger things come like persecution. And then the last thing is you just need to keep in mind that the church grows on the blood of martyrs. Okay, Polycarp, the guy I was talking about. There's a great quote. It's a legend. It's not scripture. Uh, And it just said that the blood from my body put out the flames of the persecution that was happening in Smyrna in those days. Basically, after he was killed, I think the, the, um, the people of Smyrna just, Smyrna just couldn't stomach the horror that was going on in the persecution, and it stopped, or at least it slowed down in those days. And the church continued to grow and grow. That's how the church grew early. There was a great persecution in A.D. 70. The dispersion, everybody went out to all these different places, and the church grew and grew and grew. Keep that in your mind is we think about growing our faith deep so that we can withstand persecution. How do you do that? You do it now by walking with Jesus, falling in love with him, more in love. If you don't know how, ask. Guys around the table will tell you how to do that. Their disciplines look different than my disciplines. It's fine, okay? But we have got to fall so in love with Jesus that everything else pales in comparison.